0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, welcome to The Rock of Gainesville. If you're here today, Labor Day weekend. Hey, we get tomorrow off, I think. (laughs) You may not. And if you don't get tomorrow off, don't throw stones. Just uh, we'll talk later, but tomorrow... Labor Day weekend, have a real happy, fun, safe, everybody say safe, safe. Labor Day weekend. So uh, I know that means a lot of people go in a lot of different directions, but thanks for being here today at the Rock of If you're joining us online, we love you guys. Thanks for being with us in that particular way. Hey, here's what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks. Pastor Jamie and I are going to tag team together and do a series called Living Called, Living Called. How are you living? How am I living in the days that we are living? How are you living in the days that we are living? You know, I know there's been a lot of different discussions about that as we, as the people of God, are going through these days. And are we living in faith? Are we living in fear? Are we living in anxiety? Are we living in joy? How are we living? And so, over the next few weeks, Pastor Jamie and I are going to tag team, and we're going to cover four topics as we talk about living called. How are we living in the day that we are living? How many know these are crazy days? Come on, say, Pastor on you're right. Crazy, crazy days. But we still, guys, listen to Pastor Ron, we still have a mandate to be ambassadors of God's kingdom. Even in the day that we're living, we still have a mandate on our lives to represent God Jesus. And so we're going to base this series on Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read it together. Here we go. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. That's what we're gonna talk about today. When you are called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. Come on and say, thank God for you today, Jesus. Hey, look, when, when, I, when I read that scripture right there, I easily see that regardless of what I go through, I can walk in the place of hope because I've got a God that's watching over me, I've got a God that's in me, and I've got a God that's taking me through and leading me to the place that I need to go. So we're gonna base this series on Ephesians chapter four. Now here's the topics we're gonna talk about. Living called, today we're gonna talk about called to hope. Next week, my man, Dr. Jamie Chung Yu is gonna come back and talk about called to the body of Christ. As I told you just a couple of weeks ago, there's nothing like being in the right place with the right people. Come on now. Come on, I'm preaching. I'm already preaching better than you're shouting, so you guys better get warmed up here. There's nothing like, let me say it again in case you're here and it wasn't working, there's nothing like being in the right place with the right people. Oh, there's nothing like it. And Pastor Jamie's gonna talk about that. Then the third week, I'm gonna talk about and uh, come back and talk about called to spiritual intensity. Let's do not, let's do not, let's do not lose our spiritual fervor in the day that we're living. And then Pastor Jamie's gonna wrap it up by talking about called to be ambassadors. I love that word and I cannot wait Till Dr. Chong Yu gets at into this and starts breaking that down. I love that word and how we are a representative of God's kingdom. Therefore, having the protection, the watching over, and the guidance of everything that is rightfully ours as an ambassador. Say it out loud. Say it one more time. Of God's kingdom. So we're going to talk about called to hope. Today, I want to show you an interview that I did a few days ago with some people that are really, really, really dear to me, uh, Matthew and Sarah Tioli. Matthew and Sarah probably show me and show you one of the greatest stories of hope in a really, really dark hour. Come on now, guys, put yourself in their shoes for just a second. You're in a hospital room at Shans Hospital, and you just got the report that your eight month old baby has cancer. I don't know about you, but as a parent, that'll shake your tree. That'll make you think about, okay, what, listen to me, that will make you think, what do I really believe? And so I sat down, and every time I think about hope, I think about Matthew and Sarah, because I just think about the story of their lives and the example that they set. And so as soon as I thought about Call to Hope and uh, kind of sharing these things with you, I thought about interviewing Matthew and Sarah, because, guys, there are some parts to their story that we've never heard. There's a backside to their story, and I wanted to bring those things out and talk about that a little bit this morning. So I interviewed them this week. It's a little lengthy, so just be patient, but there are so many great hope nuggets in the things that they share as we rejoice and hear the heart of Matthew and Sarah Tioli. So guys, watch this. Here with Matthew and Sarah Tioli. And guys, you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to Matthew and Sarah right away when I started talking about Call to Hope was the story that, you know, so many of us have talked about so many times of Sophia, uh, beautiful little Sophia. Uh, I've joked about it publicly, being at the hospital, even though it was not a joke, of bumping into Matthew in that hallway. And from that day on, you guys were such a great testimony of just having the hope of Christ as you walk through this. But I think a lot of times, and I've been guilty of it, or we've come at it from this perspective of telling the story of victory, and it is a story of victory. But there was also a story of battle. There was a story of fighting the good fight of faith. And that's kind of what I want to get your perspective on today as we talk about being called to hope. How did you stay in that place of hope? So right away, the first thing I, I think about when I think about you guys, from that perspective of of Sophia was is this. What was your initial reaction when you found out, you got the report of that beautiful little girl? Remind me what age she was at the time.
1: Um, eight months.
0: Eight months, wow. Eight month year old that that now is diagnosed with cancer. What was your initial response? So,
2: you know, it was, there were kind of two really responses, right? So, so there's, there's, of course the actual confirmation of, of what it was. Um, and then there's also kind of a preparatory because we knew, you know, there was a a tumor coming out of her hip. It was hot to the touch. You know, we knew obviously something was not right. So, you know, there there's kind of the pre and the post. I'll start with the post at the moment when we were in the hospital. They were doing the biopsy. Uh, They called me on my cell phone because they were taking the biopsy, throwing it under a microscope, checking out to see uh, what it was exactly. And then they were calling us to let us know because they needed to put um, a port in central line. a central line thank you uh in in the uh in, in her chest and they wanted to make sure that they had permission to do that so uh they called and they told us what it was and um i said okay yes go ahead and hung up and then i explained that sarah was with me and um obviously we were together and then uh her dad was also with us and uh and we both kind of sat there for a minute uh, i don't it, maybe it wasn't a minute it felt like a long time it wasn't but we were sitting there in silence and uh, and Sarah was the first one to speak up. Um, mm. She said, uh, I have a piece about it. Mm. And I was like, me too. And then her dad was like, OK, <laughs> So, um, uh, you know, we, we took a few seconds to process it. Uh, but then we had a piece about it and, you know, part of, for me, you know, one of the things that we've talked about when we've shared, when we've talked about this, uh, together is that, um, as much as we went through it together, it, it was also an individual experience. You know, what, what God was speaking to her was different than what God was speaking to me. Uh, and, and so going back to kind of the preparatory part of that is, you know, when we knew that something wasn't right and we knew that we had this scheduled biopsy coming up. You know, I, I was um, with Sophia, we were uh, getting ready for bed, and I was kind of holding her and kind of rocking her to sleep, and uh, and I was praying over her, and you know, I was praying the prayer that every, I think everybody prays when they have this kind of experience. God, just let us go in, and it'll be gone. They won't be able to find anything, and it will be a miracle, and right. you know, every everybody I think wants that, right? Um, and as I was praying that prayer, um, I believe that, that Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in that moment, and... Um, what he said was this, this isn't going to go the way you want it to, Mm. um, but it'll be used for my glory. Mm. And, uh, and so I, I started praying something different (laughs) because I didn't see, (laughs) I didn't see a point in praying over something that, that, that I already, you know, believed that, that I had heard from God, that it wasn't going to be the way that I thought it was going to. So, Mm. uh, so I started praying that it would, you know, speak to the doctors and the nurses and that it would be. Um, something that would bring glory to His name in, in all aspects and that we would, you know, conduct ourselves in a way that would bring glory to His name as well. So, um, yeah, I think that I wow. I think that there were kind of two phases of that. Okay. There was the initial preparatory phase and when we knew that something was wrong and then there was, you know, once we actually confirmed what it was. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, when you say that, Matthew, you're hearing the word of the Lord, that's not going to go the way you planned. Did you ever find yourself feeling like, Whoa God, you know, we've been standing for our little girl, we've been praying for our little girl, we're believing for, as you said, this prayer that all of us pray, and now it's not gonna go the way you planned. Did was there any feelings of ab- abandonment? God's not hearing me, you know, He's not He's not walking with us.
2: Um, I would say that there there wasn't a feeling of abandonment. I never I never felt like we weren't being heard or that he had left us alone. Were there times that we got a report we didn't want to get? Yes, that happened on a few circumstances. Uh, we had we had a few circumstances where you know we would get a call and it was you know when they were trying to shrink the tumor so they could operate. Um, they said it 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 killed it but it didn't shrink it. Um, so this is going to be a difficult operation and we got to talk and regroup and find out how we're going to do this. You know and and you know Sarah got that call and, and we were both home and and she hung up and and we had the circumstance where we said you know man, we're disappointed we're disappointed we we mm. wanted good news mm. Mm. you know and 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 in another instance you know we when they first oper or when they operated and and took it out they had to cut away a portion of her muscle and uh, and the orthopedic surgeon came down and uh and he was you know we said, hey I, I heard you had to cut away part of the muscle you know what what's What's the deal with that? And uh, he said, yes, we did. Uh, she'll probably walk with a limp and she won't be a track star by any means. Like that was the, I mean, I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, what, do I, what do I do with that? You know, but I, I do believe that through it all, you know, God was with us and I never felt like we weren't being heard. And, you know, I, I, I echo back to that original word. I didn't know what his glory would look like. Hmm. You know, I mean, it, it could have been anything. Hmm that brought glory to his name. Mm-hmm. And, and so I didn't know what that was going to look like. Uh, but I would say that, you know, I never felt abandoned. We, even those moments, you know, we, we saw victories right then, you know, right after the surgery, um, we were supposed to be in the hospital for a couple of days, I think, for a uh, week. For a week. Uh, we were discharged the next day. Mm-hmm. Wow. We were home. She started walking around the house wow. the next day. Mm-hmm. So we saw an immediate victory there. And, you know, what she is, um, you know, she's eight, and at the beginning of this year, she ran her first kids' marathon.
1: Oh, wow.
2: And, uh, you know, I mean, is she a track star? No, maybe not yet. <laughs> but, but we are privileged to see what has happened through the process, and I know, you know, even though it's we've been through some of the hard aspects, even now, we're still getting to experience some of those victories, some of those things that have come to pass that maybe you, we originally got bad news on.
0: What role would you guys say family, uh, you know, played, friends played in supporting you and kind of keeping you moving towards a, a, a positive uh, kingdom outlook?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll take this one. Um, so right right after Sophia was diagnosed, um, I got onto Facebook and I made a group um, called Sophie Story. And um, that's, that was kind of the main communication tool. So when we were getting ready to go in for an operation or we were getting ready to go in for who knows what, or she spiked some random fever, um, I would always get on there and I would I would post what was going on and that is that was kind of the hub for friends and family. And my favorite role that everyone had was knowing that they were praying for us. Mm-hmm. It was very tangible to both Matthew and myself how we were saturated in prayer, mm-hmm. just from things of, not being worried when she was in op- in surgery and having a major operation. We had complete peace and mm. that's not, that's not normal. Mm. Um, and it was pointed out to us by the surgeon, by staff <laughs> members. I think even pastor George um, <laughs> was like, Hey, your kid's in surgery yeah. and you're just like, yeah. you want some lunch? Yeah. You know, what's, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> and it, and that's not, that's not from the natural. It's it's definitely was a gift from God. And knowing that when you're going through something, He does give you that peace that passes understanding if you're willing to lean into Him. Mm-hmm. And while we were busy leaning into Him, when we got tired <laughs> of leaning or dragging or, or praying in general, you know, how many times you can pray this prayer, mm-hmm. that's when a family member would step up And, you know, lift Moses' arms, right? Lift up our arms in prayer and and just help to support us. Um, Or uh, friends, and it wasn't even, you know, local. Of course, we had so many local. And I loved hearing stories from um, the elementary school with The Rock where they had a picture of Sophia up, and they're praying for her. And i get a message, hey, we prayed for your little girl today. And um, just... There were so many little things that God did along the way, showing where these prayers are being answered. And you know, God's very in, intentional and individual in that He spoke to me very differently than He spoke to Matthew, and He used our story very differently to affect so many different people. And um, any time that that happened, any time a friend would reach out to us or. Uh, I would get an opportunity to share at women's prayer. God always touched somebody. Mm -hmm. And just like Matthew said that he was told at the beginning that God was going to use it not quite how he was thinking, but he would use it for his glory. Mm -hmm. We got to see that throughout. And and the family and friends were those that were surrounding us. Mm -hmm. And even my own mother, she, she said, had I lived... Away, if I wasn't right here, seeing you, experiencing you, and how you are with Sophia and how you guys really are dealing with this, I wouldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't believe it if I heard about it. I wouldn't believe it unless I was right here experiencing it. She said, "But God's with you. He's got this, and you guys are com- like you are okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you really are okay. <laughs> you really are
0: okay. Great deal. Uh, we're called to hope, guys." We are called to hope. What a tremendous testimony that Matthew and Sarah are called to hope and we can live called in the realm of God's hope. Come on, give it up for Matthew and Sarah. Come on, come on, thank God. Give it up for Matthew and Sarah, but give it up for Jesus, amen? Wow. You know, it's it's like I said, guys, I know that was a little lengthy, but there were so many great hope nuggets in there that I just did not want to let go of. And there was one in particular that I think all of us have felt during situations like Matthew and Sarah walked through. Here's what Matthew said. There was a time where he's praying over Sophia, and he's praying that prayer that all of us have prayed. God, just divinely intervene on my child's behalf and take this thing away. Remove it by your awesome power and let divine healing take place. And here's what God said. This is not going to turn out the way you think, but it will be for my glory. It will be for my glory. You no, know, guys, I think there are times to where we find ourselves hearing that and we're saying, okay, it's not going to turn out the way I think, but it's going to turn out for God's glory. Now, here's the question I've got to ask you. What do we do in between? What do we do in the middle? We've got the promise of God that it's, it's or the word of the Lord is not going to turn out the way we think it's going to turn out, and then the promise of the Lord, but it will be for my glory. I have got to position myself in a place of hope and believe that while I'm waiting for this thing to come about, God's not going to let me down. He's not going to overlook who I am and what I need. He is going to watch over his word to perform it and do what he needs to do. Now, here's an interesting situation that the disciples were in just like Matthew and Sarah. The disciples are in a place in John chapter 21, we'll read in just a second, and they're in a place where Jesus has been crucified. Their rabbi, their teacher, their mentor is gone. And here they are at a place of wondering, okay, what do we do next? Now, before Jesus was crucified, they were talking to him, and here's what Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. And their response was, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. And Jesus said, no, I am going to go to the cross, and it will be for my Father's glory. Here's what Jesus was saying in Matthew Tioli language. This is not going to go the way you think, but it will turn out for my Father's glory. Amen. It's not going to go, You, I am going to the cross. You guys think I'm not, but I am going to the cross, and so it's going to turn out a little different, but my Father will be glorified. And so in a kind of strange way, Jesus is saying the same things that Matthew heard from Holy Spirit. And so here's what the disciples had to do. They had to position themselves in a place of hope. Look at John 21 and look at what they do. Here we go. John 21 verse3, as they're sitting on the side of a riverbank, and not knowing what to do, their mentor is gone, their leader is gone. They're sitting on the side of a riverbank. and look at the story here in John 21. I'm going to go out and fish, Simon Peter said. "You know, When you don't know what to do, go fish. Come on, somebody. <laughs> not really sure what to do, so I'm going to go fishing. Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, And he jumped into the water and took off to get to Jesus. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And so Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Here's what's going on, guys. Get this story again. i got to figure out, what am I going to do? It's not going to turn out like I planned but it's going to turn out for God's glory. I got to get myself in a position of hope. I've got to get myself in a position of trust. My mentor is gone. And now all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them. Look at the transition. This is what hope does for you. This is what hope does for me. Look at the transition of the disciples' life. They're sitting on the side of a riverbank with their hands in the air saying, what do we do next? And Jesus shows up. And look at the transition. They go from anxious to activated. What do we do next? What do we do next? I'm going to get to Jesus. What do we do next? I'm going to have breakfast with my Lord. What do we do next? I am going to go from unknown to unstoppable. Hope changes you and me, guys, from going just a group of people getting together from week to week and changing the world that we're living in. That's what hope does for you and I it takes us to a place of saying, what do I do next to saying, I'm getting to where Jesus is. Who, who am I today? Am I just I, Have I changed from being one of his disciples and followers to just a guy sitting on the side of the riverbank? Unknown? No, I go from unknown to unstoppable. Now, here's the question. How did the disciples get in that place of hope, get in that place of transition, getting that place of going from anxious to activated. How did they do it? John 21 shows us, here we go, number one. No matter what, keep going with those that you trust. No matter what, keep going with those that you trust. Look at John 21, verse three. Here's what it says. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter said, and they said, we'll go with you. I'm I'm gonna go with you. Now, I love this next line. They didn't catch anything nothing happened, but they weren't isolated. They weren't on their own. They were together. They were walking this thing out together. They didn't say, well, let's throw our hands up in the air and forget hope and go do our own thing. No, they said, let's go out to fish. We may not catch anything, but we're going to stick together. Oh man, you got to say amen to that. But we're going to stick together. I was talking to my friend Erica Heisey the other day, and she was telling me about a message that she had heard. And it was on doubt. Come on, guys. Let's be real. How many of us have faced a little doubt lately? Come on, somebody. And it was on doubt. And the guy that was preaching the message said something that as soon as she shared it with me, man, it just jumped in my spirit. And she said She's listening to this message and the guy talking about doubt. Here's what he said. He said, when you're going through doubt, listen to me now, walk with the worshipers. Walk with the worshipers. That's what Israel did. Israel had to fight a battle. They put the band out front. Come on, somebody. They put the singers out front. They put the worshipers out front. They put the guitar player out front. Dr. Chong Yu, wait, we're walking with the worshipers. Don't walk by yourself, walk with people that you trust so that when you find yourself in one of those situations that you got, listen to me now, that you got to stay in the lane of hope, there's somebody walking with you that will keep you in that lane. I asked Pastor Suzanne to come back and share a story that she shared last week. I'm getting all kinds of help preaching this morning. Come on now. I kinda like this too, you know? I asked her to come back and share a story that she shared last week because it goes with this point so well And there's two things that she said last week that really stirred me. So give it up for Pastor Suzanne. Come on, somebody.
3: Thank you. I shared this last week, and it's so funny that Pastor Ron asked me to share it again because, honestly, when I got home, I felt shame that I would feel the way that I felt. But there was a point um, in time when Pastor George was in the hospital he had just gotten his bone marrow transplant, and it was about the day after, actually the kids had done a, come and done a little like birthday party for him outside the hospital, so I got him out of bed so he could see them. So we called it his birthday because he got his new bone marrow. And um, I remember I, I wasn't feeling well, and I thought, oh, I thought it was allergy stuff. and. So I was had a little bit of a scratchy throat, but I knew I had to be so careful around him. Well, as a couple of days went by, I realized mm, I'm, not, I'm still not feeling better, and I'm not sure what this is. And so I realized that I was getting sick, and I knew that I couldn't be around him while I'm sick. So here I am at home, and I'm feeling terrible, and I'm feeling such guilt that I'm not with him helping take care of him in the hospital, but I knew that nobody that was ill could be around him at all. And so after a few days, I'm in the chair, and I slumped my head over on the arm of the chair, and I just started to weep. And for the first time in my life, I felt like, is God mad at me? I just don't understand what is going on here. Is he mad at me? And then, of course, I felt something about this feeling is not right. I've never felt this way in my whole life. Here I was feeling terribly um, sick and also emotionally, like, just exhausted, And then here he was by himself. And you know what a people person he is. He wants somebody to be with him. And so I I leaned my head over on the arm of the chair, and I started to weep a little bit. And then I thought, I've got to let somebody know how I'm feeling. I've got to let somebody know that I trust. And so I immediately text Karen Saxon. And I said, Karen, I have never felt this way in my whole life, but I feel like God is he mad at me? And I felt like the enemy was trying to get me to take up an offense against God, and I needed to tell somebody. And so she immediately sends me back a text, and she is preaching at me, God is not mad at you. You are a child of his. And she immediately began to preach at me, and this sense of peace just came over me again, that we're going to get through this, and just like the Teoli said, and God is going to be glorified mm. in it. And it was so precious to me, though, because to me, I needed Karen's response. And in the body of Christ, we desperately need each other mm. to keep that yeah. hope and yeah. that faith alive. Yes, he's the God of all hope, but how much he uses us for each other to speak words of hope and combat the lies of the enemy mm, for one amen. another. Thank you.
0: Amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. Come on, you got to do better now. Put your hands again and say, way to go. Way to go, God, again. You know, there's, there's two parts of that story that I just love. Both times I've heard it. I, I just absolutely love the vulnerability and the honesty. Is God mad at me? Come on, how many times have we ask that question. We're going through that dark valley and and we ask that vulnerable, honest question. You know what, guys? Sometimes we have to ask those honest questions, but we got to ask them with people we trust. Because that brings me to point number two that I love about that story. Pastor Suzanne was willing to ask the vulnerable question, but she was with someone she trusted that gave her the right answer. And you know what? I can just hear Miss Karen saying, is God mad at me? No, he's not. <laughs> Absolutely not. You know he's not mad at you. You're a child of God. You're a daughter, daughter of God. <laughs> we, us Southerners can take that one phrase and make it last a long time. You're a daughter of God. See, that's the thing, guys. I've, I've got to walk those challenges out in my life But I got to do it with people that I trust, that I ask that question, but I ask that question not by myself. Listen, when I ask that question by myself, I start answering it for myself. And I will tell myself whatever I want to hear. So I ask that question around someone that I trust, that I know loves me. Let me give you a quote from someone that has a chance to speak here from time to time. His name is Ron Hyatt. This is mine. You you guys do know, and I've said this a thousand times, plagiarism is legal in the kingdom of God. But this is actually mine. A real relationship, everybody say real. A real relationship has faith, pain, tears, arguments, patience, trust, and love. That's a real relationship. A real relationship, there's someone standing with you and they may not tell you what you want to hear, but they're doing it because they're patient with you, they trust you, and they love you. That's a real relationship. Number two, how do I find myself in that place of hope? When Jesus shows up, press in. Look at what Peter did. Peter said, oh, there's Jesus on the seashore. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. I think it was 153. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped in the water and took off to get to that seashore where Jesus is. Hey, there are times guys to where when I know it's the Lord, I got to press in. You know, I've been asking myself this question a lot lately. Hear me, hear Pastor Ron. Am I hearing, how often am I hearing the still small voice of the Lord? Am I hearing it? You know, that context of that scripture is simply this. It's Elisha seeing the fire and the wind and the earthquake, and all those were real easy to see. And God said, I'm not in any of those. Well, where are you, God? I'm in the still, small voice of the Lord. And I've gotta position myself to to hear that and find that. And that's not always easy to do. So what do I gotta do, guys? I gotta find myself knowing that it's Jesus and pressing in to where Jesus is. As pa- How many of you know, Pastor Savin did a great job last week, huh? Come on. Oh, uh, you can do better than that. Give it up for Pastor Savin. Great job. It was so great having him back on in, here in the church and on this platform. And he used that illustration, knock, 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 knock. You, you gotta pursue Christ and he who knocks on the door, the door will be open to him. And he used that illustration, knock, knock, And you know what I I realized as he was giving that illustration? I was sitting over there, and he was telling this knock-knock story, and I realized something. Now, if I told you a knock-knock joke right now, and I went, knock-knock, what's the next line? How many of you know God never says that? He never says that. When I knock on the door of God, you know what he says? Isaiah 43 says, he calls me by name. Knock, knock, hello, Ron. Knock, knock, hello, Brian. Knock, knock, hello, Ollie. He doesn't say, who's there? Who's knocking on my door? And who's getting on my nerves? And who's bothering me? He says, hello, child of God. Come in, Revelation chapter three, verse 20. Come in and let's have a meal together. The rest of you need to clap now. Come on, put your hands together and say, thank you, Jesus. I I press into God, and here's why. I'm pretty convinced, Craig Rochelle said in his book, Hope in the Dark, that God's highest agenda is not my immediate happiness. doesn't mean God doesn't want you happy, but happy will wear off. Come on now. Happy will wear down, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. God's highest agenda is not my immediate happiness. God's more committed to our eternal joy, our spiritual growth, and the condition of our heart. And when I press into Jesus, I am happy, but I'm in that everlasting happiness called the joy of God. And I find myself pursuing joy, my spiritual growth, and my heart lines up with his heart. Number three, and I'm done. Here we go. How else do I find myself positioning for hope? I take time to sit and listen to Jesus. The disciples saw him right away. What did they do? Man, Peter jumped in the water and took off, and then they had breakfast together and sat and listened to their mentor, their leader, their teacher, their rabbi. And they just stayed there waiting to hear what he had to say. Take time and sit and listen to Jesus. Here's what it says in John 21. Jesus said to them, come on, come on, come on. Man, I'm getting a revelation of that as I say it right now, come on. Can you hear Jesus speaking to that you right now? Come on, come on, let's sit down together and let's have breakfast. And then none of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. They knew it was the Lord. Man, I'm loving this scripture right now. They knew it was the Lord and Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And it was the third time that he did that with the disciples. I've got to press in. I got to press in and listen to Jesus. Why do you need to press in Pastor Ron and listen to Jesus? Because it's pain in the moment and hope for the future. Sometimes pain yells while hope whispers. So I got to get in that position to where I know the pain is yelling the fire, the wind, the earthquake, they're easy to see. I've got to position myself to where, as I told you a minute ago, I'm hearing the still, small voice of the Lord. What comes out of that? What comes out of that? I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. Hmm. It's not going to turn out the way you thought, but it is going to be for His glory. Not going to go the way you asked all the time, but it is going to turn out for His glory. What do I do in that in-between time? I'm living called to hope, knowing that He is never, ever, 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 ever going to let me down, never going to fail. Bow your heads with me, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray over the people of God right now. I thank you, Lord, for these wonderful people here in this house. And Father, I just pray if there is one, any of us, numbers of us, whatever the case may be, that we're in that place of in-between. We know that you're there with us and we know your glory is going to show up, but we are in that place of in-between. Father, if, if that's one of these people this morning, I just pray the encouragement of Jesus in their life right now. I speak peace over them. I speak joy over them. I speak the relief of that heaviness that can come with that kind of pressure over them. And as we said earlier, they're able to lift up their hands that are hanging down and rejoice in God Almighty. So if you're here today, every head bowed, nobody looking around for just a second. You're here this morning, you say, Pastor Ron, I'm one of those disciples sitting on the seashore My hands are raised and I'm saying, God, what do I do next? And hope is waning, sliding away, and my hope reserve is just about empty. And I'm sitting on the seashore saying, God, what do I do next? Hope feels like, it may not be, but it feels like hope is lost. I need God to touch my life right now. Put your hand up right where you are. Hold it up there for just a second. Come on, come on. Hold it up there for just a second. Just a second, just a second. Yes, just a second. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, you can put it down. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you'll touch these folks right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the promise of God that never fails, never lets us down, never goes away. And always, Lord, we know that we can stand in that promise and know that your word is going to be fulfilled because you tell us you watch over your word to perform it. Some of these people that raise their hands this morning, Lord, they got a word from you and that word's not been fulfilled yet. And they're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And they're in that position of the in-between. They're in that place of the in-between and they're having to say, what's next, God? What's next? Is this going to turn out for your glory? I believe that it is. When is it going to happen? Help me to walk in patience, strength, and trust. That's where they are, Lord, and you're strengthening them strengthening them right now in the name of the Lord, building them up, changing everything about their life. If nothing else, Lord, just to give them peace in their spirit. I speak peace over you right now in Jesus' name. I speak the peace of God over you. I I take authority over anxiety over you, wondering, when is this going to come about? I take authority over anxiety in you right now. I take authority over tension in you right now. I take authority over the lie of the enemy that is saying, that word's never going to come about. I take authority over that lie right now, saying the word of the Lord is going to come about. And it is going to happen for his glory. So over you right now in Jesus' name, I speak the power, the love, the compassion, the mercy, and the rest of God, the rest of Jesus, to be able to trust him for everything that he has for you, because you are a child of God and hope abounds in you today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Go on, give the Lord a big ovation of praise as Pastor Jamie comes. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.